good to be here with you today. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Jerry. I am the Carmel Campus Pastor. And um, it's always good for me to be here with you in Noblesville. It's a great reminder that we have a church family that's much bigger than where we are on a regular basis. And there's just some really cool things happening in and around the Genesis family uh, in Carmel and in Noblesville. Um, in Carmel, we're always excited that, to see that God is bringing new people every week, even in spite of this really weird season that we're in. And so I just want to encourage you, if you see someone today that you don't know, it very well could be their first day. So be sure to reach out, be sure to reach out to them. Um, I'm glad to be here with you today. Your, your, your campus pastor, Ben Krause, is out in the woods somewhere. He likes to hunt. And in honor of Ben Krause, I wore a camouflage shirt. So he's here with us in spirit today, okay? Um, for the last couple of weeks, we've been studying through the one thing that Jesus' disciples asked him to teach them how to do. Think of all the things you could ask Jesus to do. And it wasn't, to their credit, it wasn't how to heal sick people or how, or how to cast out demons. And I'm a father of four, and I, I'm not going to lie to you. I think I'd like to have those skills, right? That would be pretty cool to know how to do, but it wasn't that. And it wasn't how to walk on water or how to take one loaf of bread and feed a bunch of people. Again, that would be really good to have in the toolbox. The one thing that Jesus' disciples said, hey, would you please teach us how to do this? It was, would you teach us how to pray? Because apparently when Jesus prayed, something different happened. And it's kind of weird, right? These are Jesus' disciples. You would think these guys would know how to pray. Prayer is just talking to God, right? Right? Isn't that what everybody says? You're just talking to God. But does, it, does that mean it's always easy? Do you, ever, do you ever sit down to pray and think, like, I don't really know how to log in. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to say. How do I know that God's listening to me? I, I feel like I just pray the same things over and over and over again, and it's just easy to get overwhelmed with the process. Or how many of you have ever found that prayer is a cure to insomnia? Because when you go to pray, you immediately, whoop. I do, right? Yeah, I see, I see your hands. There's just something about prayer that it just doesn't feel that it's as easy as it should be. And thankfully for us, Jesus said, okay, well, I'll teach you. And he recorded this prayer that's found in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6 and then Luke chapter 11. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew 6. That's where we're going to continue to be. But every week for the last couple of weeks, we've taken this familiar prayer and we break it down phrase by phrase and bit by bit to see what, what is Jesus getting at here. And so he says, well, the first thing you need to know is when you pray, you can address God as your heavenly father. He's not like this far distant cosmic being. He is close and near and personal. And so Jesus says, you start by saying our father in heaven and you worship him for his goodness. So our father in heaven, your name is holy. And then he says, then you move from there to let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what you're saying is, hey, God, my world's pretty messed up, but your world is perfect. Would you bring your perfect will into my world right now, into all the mess? Jesus says, you can ask for that. And then we talked about this last week. Then Jesus says, there's this part of the prayer where you get to say, would you give us today our daily bread? And we get to bring our list to him, the big things, the small things, the things that we're curious about, the things that scare us. And you can ask God for those things. I think that's pretty cool, right? That's a pretty popular part of the prayer. If you don't know what else to do, you just ask God for stuff. Give, give, give. Well, that's the popular part. Today we're going to look at the not-so-popular forgive portion of the prayer. And it's probably going to sound pretty familiar to you, but here's what I want you to think. For some reason, in his wisdom, Jesus knew that this was an issue for us. And so he, he wove it into the fabric of this familiar prayer. And I just want you to think about how tricky Forgiveness can be for us. When I, when I say forgiveness, I bet there's a person in a situation that comes to mind for you, isn't there? I, I, I sat down this week and I just started listing out some names of people that I feel like God 
wants me to forgive. And I, I sat down with a blank sheet of paper. And I was like, I bet there's probably some people. And so I just started writing people down. My sixth grade bus driver made the list, Mr. Ott, okay? There must be something in my heart that I need to forgive him for. And there were other people from my freshman year of high school, people I've worked for in the past, like this list of people. And I just remember thinking, wow, what a weird collection of people in my life. Apparently, I have some forgiveness issues. And so who is it for you? And forgiveness is tricky, isn't it? Especially if you're the one that got cheated on. Or if you're the one that got passed over for the promotion. It should have been yours, but somebody else got it. Forgiveness is tricky if your parents got divorced and you were forced to take sides and now you're mad at both of them and you don't know who or how to forgive because they should still be together. Forgiveness is hard if somebody ruined your childhood or harmed one of your children and you don't know how to move past that. And so here's the bottom line when it comes to forgiveness. Have you ever thought about this? Really, our lack of forgiveness is because somebody somewhere hurt us and they owe us something and somebody has to pay up, right? And maybe they owe us an apology or an explanation. They owe us a second chance or at least a job interview. That seems fair. Or maybe some of you parents are like me and you think that we all deserve spa treatments for having to endure e-learning, right? We earn, like we've earned that. We deserve it. It's stressful. It's hard. And we know it's coming back to some degree, right? We, we all, somebody owes us something. And so here's the question that I want us to think about today. What are you going to do with those in debt to you? When you make your list, what are you going to do with them? What are we supposed to do with them? Because we have options. We can go around and be the bill collector and say, you owe me and you're going to pay up. And everybody likes to be around that person. That person is so pleasant to be around, right? So we can do that or we can probably find a better way to live our lives. And so Jesus says, well, I want you to pray about it. And so thankfully for his disciples and for us, we record these, these words are recorded where we can go back and we can follow them as a pattern to know how to approach this. And so I want you to look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. It probably looks and sounds familiar. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is in the middle of a prayer. Now, some of you are like me. You probably grew up in a faith tradition where you were taught it this way. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. I've been trying to teach this prayer to my, my younger son and daughter, and my, my daughter's like, what is a trespass? I see those no trespassing signs. What's that mean, Daddy? And debt and trespass is kind of a hard thing for her to understand. But I love how the New Living Translation translates this part of the prayer for us. It just says this, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. This is at the heart of the matter. This is what Jesus is tapping into. Father, will you help us to forgive others that have sinned against us? And sin's a tricky word, right? It's personal. People have wronged us. What are, what are we going to do about that? Well, here's the thing. Jesus knew, knows that, that sin's a big issue and that it has to be resolved. And what we're going to learn today, and if you've been following Jesus for a while, you know this is true already. I just want you to think about it. The best way to deal with sin, according to Jesus, the best way to deal with the debt caused by sin is to make a way for that debt to be forgiven. This is how Jesus lived his life. The, the best way to deal with the debt of sin, caused by sin, is to make sure that that debt can be forgiven. But that's not how debt works, right? I mean, you pay a debt off. And so if you have a loan on your house or your car or your student loans or your, your Christmas presents, whatever it is you owe money on, I want you to just try this this week. Call the bank, call your lender and say, hey, one of my pastors said you might be willing to forgive these. Is that, can we work that out? And they're probably going to laugh at 
you like you're laughing at me. They might bless your heart. But what, you know what they're not going to say? That's such a good idea. You don't owe us any money anymore. We never thought about this, right? That's not the way debt works. A debt has to be paid off. Well, all the writers of Scripture, Old and New Testament, they tell us that we have a sin debt with God. And that's a big issue. That's a major problem. Now, maybe you've heard this before, but that term sin is an archery term, okay? When you pull back a bow and arrow and you aim at a target, you're aiming at the bullseye, right? And anything that doesn't hit the bullseye is a sin. You fall short. You miss the mark. And when it, when it comes to our obedience to God, God is perfect, and he wants us to live perfectly like him. Jesus did this. He lived a perfect life. He wants us to do that. But we don't. We can't, right? We always fall short of the mark. We sin. We have a huge sin debt. And the Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the church in Rome, I want you to look at what he said about sin. He said this, the wages of sin is death. In other words, what you earn for your sin is death. Now, not just physical death, but like an eternal spiritual death. God has created all of us to live somewhere forever, for the rest of forever. And this death is a spiritual separation from God. It's, things are broken. They're not right. But I want you to listen to the, what, the, the, what the rest of Paul says in Romans 6.23. says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, this is a familiar passage for us, but this is where the issue of sin is paid for. This is where Jesus steps in. He came into the world and lived a perfect, sinless life as a man to die in our place so that our debt with our Heavenly Father could be taken care of. It could be forgiven and we could be restored back to Him. I want you to listen to how the Apostle Paul explains this when he was writing to the church in Corinth. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, Kevin just quoted this verse. God made Him who had no sin. God made Jesus who had never sinned to be a sin offering for us. So that in him we could become the righteousness of God. Through faith in Jesus, our sins are forgiven, we're made right. And when God sees us, he sees righteous people because of Jesus. That's a big deal. And Jesus knew this. When Jesus was dying on the cross, one of his best friends, John, who wrote the Gospel of John, recorded his last words for us. And I just want you to think about this. Jesus is dying. With his last breath, he says this, it's finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Uh, this is fascinating. This phrase, it is finished, is a Greek accounting term that means paid in full. With his last breath, he's hanging there and he says, Father, it's paid in full. All the debt, my debt, your debt, all paid for in that moment. Jesus says, if you trust in me, your debt, your sin debt is forgiven, you're restored. Now, that's good news. So here's my question. If that's what Jesus has done for us, what are you going to do with the people that are in debt to you? He has shown us a way to forgive. He's given us a pattern to follow. So what are we going to do with it? And this is where this prayer for forgiveness comes in. I just find it fascinating. Jesus, teaches us to pray. Okay, will you worship your heavenly father? You ask for his will to be done. You can pray for anything. And, oh, by the way, you're going to need his help with this one because it's, it's going to snag you. If you don't learn how to forgive people, well, it's going it's to mess you up. You're not going to know how to, how to follow me. And so listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 12. He says, 
This is how you pray. Forgive us our debts. Oh, that's a tricky word. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. In other words, Jesus says, forgive us in the same way, Father, that we forgive our sixth grade bus drivers 20, 30 years later. Right? It kind of hits home. It's, this is tricky. So what is the point Jesus is getting at here? What, what would he want us to know? Well, if you're his follower, I think the first thing he wants us to know is this. Forgiveness is required. It's not optional. It's mandatory. In fact, I want you to say it with me. Forgiveness is required. We don't get to pick and choose on this one. And just in case you don't think this is a big deal, again, this is really interesting. If you read through Matthew 6 and Jesus is teaching them how to pray, right after the Lord's Prayer ends, these are the very next verses. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Whew. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Those are Jesus' words. That is a hard, hard teaching, is it not? Jesus is saying, if you're not willing to forgive other people, well, maybe you don't have a grasp on how you've been forgiven. You don't understand the depths of God's goodness and grace towards you. Now, it would be so easy for us to say, yeah, but he only said it once. Let's just move on. Well, as it turns out, 12 chapters later in Matthew 18, I don't know, I, I should have researched what was going on when Jesus was talking with his disciples in Matthew 18, but Jesus breaks into this parable. And he says, let me tell you a story about a guy, he owed the king 20 years of wages. Now, you just take whatever you make annually, take that times 20, that's a lot of money, right? That's what was owed. And Jesus says, this is what this servant says to the king. He says, the servant fell on his knees and said, be patient with me. He begged, I will pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity and canceled the debt and let him go free. They were going to sell his wife and his daughters. It was going to be ugly. And he's like, no, 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 please, just would you please forgive me. And the master says, okay, I, I, will, I will forgive you of your debts. And that same day, Jesus says, that guy went out who had been forgiven 20 years of debt went out and found a guy that owed him one day's wages. All the translations say he choked him, grabbed him by the throat and said, you got to pay me right now. This is a guy who's just been forgiven. And the master heard about it. And I want you to read Jesus' words of how Jesus ends this story. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And then, look at this. This is Jesus' words. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That's hard. That's difficult. But I want you to think about it from Jesus' perspective. I just picture Jesus saying, guys, I realize that's hard, but think about what he's done for you. He sent me to die in your place. I'm laying down my life for you. Surely, can't you, can't you do this for other people? This is what it looks like to receive God's goodness and grace. This is what it looks like to receive forgiveness. And so according to Jesus, we are required to forgive others because he forgave us first. Now, does that mean that it's going to be easy? Does that mean it's going to be something that we're going to look forward to? Does that mean it's going to be painless? No, 
It doesn't. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. And that's why I think it's woven into this prayer. It's something we can revisit over and over and over again. But just to be helpful today, I I want us to talk about what forgiveness is and what it isn't. Because that might help clear this up for us a little bit. So forgiveness isn't condoning, okay? We've all endured some pretty horrific things in life. And forgiving isn't condoning and saying, well, let's just forget it. Let's just sweep that away. We don't have to talk about it. It's not that. And forgiveness isn't forgetting either. Okay, this isn't saying, well, that, that must have never really happened. Forgiveness is learning how to set appropriate boundaries. And the relationship might not be what it was before, but we certainly don't forget what happened. And forgiveness isn't reconciliation. Those are two different things. I've heard it explained this way. Forgiveness is like a one-way street where one party does the work to restore whatever has been wronged. Reconciliation is a two-way street where both parties work together for peace and reconciliation. Now, as followers of Jesus, we're commanded to forgive, but we are not guaranteed to have reconciliation. We can pray for it, we can work at it, but it might never be the reality that we want for it to be, but we're still required to forgive. But forgiveness also isn't absolving or excusing someone's actions. Our actions come with consequences, don't they? If you're a parent, you know this. This is the hardest part of parenting is helping your kids understand, ah, you can't do that. I've got some middle schoolers that think I'm the meanest person in the world. Why do you hate me? I don't, I don't hate you. I'm your dad. I'm just doing dad things. I'm parenting you. We, we understand this. And the same is true with the people in our lives that have hurt us. We can forgive them, but then also lovingly allow them to endure their consequences. That's the way these things work. But we are required to forgive. This is pretty heavy, isn't it? Because it's one thing to learn about forgiveness, but it's another thing to apply it. And that really is the goal. So I want you to think of it like this. This summer, our family was having some major chipmunk issues. And I didn't know how many there were. I just knew that they were tearing everything up in our front yard. And so I went out and bought a trap, set the trap. My wife called me a few days later and said, you got one. I was like, yes, that little jerk is going to suffer. And the whole way home, I thought of all the things. I thought I could just leave him in the cage and he could die of exposure. Torture, that seems fair, right? I could feed him to the neighbor's cat, and I thought that would be too painless. That's, he'll go too quick. I thought about taking him down to the White River and seeing if he could swim inside the cage. But thankfully, I have a beautiful seven-year-old daughter that said, Daddy, you can't hurt him. And so I said, well, what do you think we should do? We should take him for a ride and release him somewhere. I'm like, okay, well, I guess we'll, we'll do that somewhere, right? Now, I wasn't condoning his behavior when I agreed to put him in my van and to take him and release him, Right? I wasn't going to keep him as a pet. I wasn't okay with him being around. But I knew that torturing him wasn't right. I needed to release him, and so I did in Ben Krause's front yard. Okay? And then two weeks later, we caught another one, and I put it in Paul Mumal's yard. Because both of those guys have wronged me. No, I'm kidding. Now, we laugh when it's a chipmunk, right? Because the humane thing to do, the humane thing to do is not to torture or to kill, to take it on a drive and release it. Are we willing to do the humane thing with humans, though? I mean, don't we just put people in cages? And, and, and for the, our lack of forgiveness, it tortures us and it tortures them. And so surely, surely if we're willing to do it for a rodent, we'd be willing to do this for a person created in the image of God. Forgiveness is simply canceling a debt. And it means we learn to say things like, I'm not going to hold this against you anymore. I'm not going to let this run my life or ruin my life. I don't want it to ruin your life. I don't want it to stand in the way of the healing 
that God wants to do in me and hopefully through you. And we're not perfect and we all need Jesus. We need to follow his example in this forgiveness thing. Now, forgiveness doesn't mean that things are going to go back to the way they were. That might never be a reality. And we might need to forgive somebody that will not admit they did something wrong, might not change their ways. But we are required to forgive because Jesus forgave us first. So I see some of you nodding. You know this is important, not just to learn about forgiveness, but to practice it. But maybe you're like me and you're thinking, but how? Like where in the world, where do you begin? Well, here's what we need to remember. Forgiveness is a process. It would be so nice if it were a one-time thing. Check the box, done, forgiven. But have you ever tried to forgive somebody and then you start thinking about it again? And you're like, oh, I can't believe I did. I forgave him for that, but I'm not going to forgive him for this. And you're just, oh. This is a process. The emotion's going to come back. The memories, you can't erase the memories. And this is why I think Jesus said, yeah, this is why you need to talk to your heavenly father about it often. Because otherwise it will control you. And you know what? It's good to have a small group of friends or a friend you can talk to. It's good to have a counselor. But nothing is going to replace talking over these things daily with our heavenly father. It's a process and it takes time. And about the time you think you're over it, if you're like me, oh, you've got to forgive him again. But it's worth it. And it's not just an obedience thing either. Because forgiveness has the power to set us free and to lead to victory. Forgiveness can lead to freedom and to victory for us and for the person. Satan would want us to believe if you forgive somebody, you lose and they win. But the, actually the opposite is true. When we learn to forgive somebody, we win. We set ourselves free. We set them free. Now that's hard. But Anne Lamott says it like this. She says, bitterness is like eating rat poison, rat poison and, and hoping that the rat dies. Right? Choosing to not forgive is like holding on to the bitterness and hoping that it does something to that person. It just ruins you. You stew in it. It ruins, oh, it ruins life. And I think this is why the writer of Hebrews wrote this. He says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Don't let a poisonous root of bitterness grow in your heart. It will ruin your home. It will ruin work. It will ruin you. And so we got to learn to forgive. It'll set you free. It'll allow God to work in ways you never imagined. And plus, unforgiveness is toxic. And we live in a pretty toxic world. Watch the news. Get on social media. It's all over the world. It's all over our nation. It can work its way into our church family. We have to learn to forgive one another. And Jesus modeled it for us. He's not asking us to do something that he didn't do or wasn't willing to do for us. And again, this is why I think Jesus says, by the way, you pray through this. He put it in this prayer for a reason. Because forgiveness begins with prayer. Over and over and over and over and over and over again. This last week, my wife Casey and I were having dinner with some friends from Genesis. And we were talking about life. We didn't plan on getting here. But as we were talking, my friend started talking about how her dad had died and just the sadness that came with the story. And so long story short, her parents divorced, 
and dad met another woman, and they got married and isolated themselves from the rest of the family, and it was really ugly. Her relationship with her dad was damaged. Well, then her dad gets diagnosed with cancer, almost dies. And the woman was super territorial in the hospital, didn't want them to be around just to see their dad while he's dying. Well, he recovers, and dad starts to reach out, and they start to have this relationship with his family. And then he gets sick again, and he dies. And here's the saddest most frustrating and weird part of the story. When he dies, this woman would not allow my friend and her siblings to see their dad in the casket. Made it to where they couldn't do it. I see some of your faces. I was, as I was, I was at a clenched fist while I was listening to the story thinking, who does this? And I said, how did you, how did you respond? What did you do? And she said, well, my siblings were furious. But I felt like God was telling me, you need to pray. You need to pray for forgiveness. And so she did. She started praying that God would bring peace where there was chaos and healing where there was hurt. And she prayed for this woman. And she said it was hard. And about a year later, she's at work, and she gets a phone call, and she looks at her phone, and she sees the woman's name, and she said, I wanted to throw up. I didn't want to talk to her. I didn't know what she wanted. I had to, re- I had to excuse myself from work. And she answers the phone, and the lady says, I would like to meet with you, but just you. At your dad's house, don't bring anybody else. And she was, honestly, my friend was a little freaked out. Like, what in the world? I don't even know that I want to do that. Well, she prayed, and she felt like God was saying, you need to go do this. And so she went, now I want you to imagine you're her, and you're going into your dad's house after, first time you've been there since he died. There's stuff in there that you want that she's not letting you have. Imagine the emotion. She walks through the front door. And she's braced for anything, and all of a sudden, this woman that has caused so much heartache for their family says, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, did, I don't know why that happened. I, don't, I, I hate the way that it happened. Can you forgive me? And they hug, they embrace, they cry, and then she says, come with me. Takes her to her room and starts giving her her dad's stuff. Stuff that meant nothing to this woman, meant everything to her, her and her siblings. And there were two things that she got that she didn't anticipate getting that day. One, she got a portion of her dad's ashes. That's a pretty big deal. But the second thing was a picture of her dad being baptized. Because between the time that he died, or between the time he got sick and he died, he came to know the Lord. And that was a huge relief for my friend, which explained why he was reaching out. For whatever reason, they never talked about it, but my friend was relieved. And it has allowed my friend to build a relationship with this woman. And they text and they call on occasion. They go out to dinner as much as their schedules allow. But when I asked my friend, I'm like, how in the world did you do this? And she said, I just prayed. It's what God was telling me to do. She, did, she doesn't take credit for it. And I think that's a powerful story because you know why? That's a real person in our church family that has experienced the healing power of praying through forgiveness for someone that didn't, that made her life really, really difficult. And so here's my question for all of us. Who is it for you? What are we going to do with the people that owe us? Would you be willing to sit down and to make a list? Would you be willing to not skip over this portion of the Lord's Prayer? And it it very well could be a parent that was hurtful or even hateful to you. It could be your in-laws. It could be a rebellious child, an angry boss, a difficult coworker, an annoying neighbor. I mean, it could be anybody. But if they're on the list, would you be willing to pray until the Lord says, oh, they're released. You can move on. 
because that's what this is all about. Now, to help you with this, we've got a one-page worksheet that's available out of the Info Hub. We've had this for about a year or so. It's just a tool that you can work through. They're out there for you. But this, this can kind of guide you through that process. So if you need help with this, we all need help with this, be sure to pick one of those up. But I do want to say this. If you're here today and you're thinking, I don't even, is this possible? It is. And if you don't know the forgiveness that comes from Jesus, this could be really confusing to you. And so if you've never known that forgiveness, it starts there. And if you have a question or you want to pray through that, or maybe you're just going through something really difficult and you don't know what to do, right after service, come and find me and Kevin up front. We would love to pray with you and pray through this. But as we wrap up today, I want us to read the Lord's Prayer out loud together. But we're going to tack on those verses at the very end where Jesus talks specifically about forgiveness. So would you read this with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus, this is hard. There is nothing about this that's easy. There's nothing about this that even makes sense. Except that when you were hanging on a cross and you were bloody and you were bruised, there were people around you that had stripped you naked, beaten you senseless, were spitting on you, were cursing at you. They were gambling for your clothes. And you said out loud, Jesus, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. So it's not easy, but it is possible. And you showed us that it was possible. So would you help us to apply your example, your real-life example to our real-life problems? And, and it might be tempting for us to say, don't forgive them. They knew exactly what they were doing, but that's not how you prayed. Would you help us to follow your example? Would you help us to make that list, to pray through that list, to release people, to practice forgiveness because you have shown us what it is first? And would you teach us? If we're not willing to do that, would you, Holy Spirit, would you convict us and help us understand that we don't really grasp the forgiveness you've given us in the first place? I pray if there's anyone with us today that has never made the decision to follow you, they've never experienced your forgiveness, Jesus, I pray that you would lead them to make that decision today for the glory of your great name. Thank you for your example. It's in your name we pray.